I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. And with me, as always... Hey, it's Gary Michaels. Look at that. The Arrow 103.5's very own Gary Michaels. I'm that guy. You're that guy. (laughs) All right, today, cool episode. Uh, Everybody seemed to really enjoy the episode where we were talking about equipment, but it was kind of specific to goalies. Yes, it was awesome. Yeah, and uh, but now we're going to get into everyone, and the main thing everybody worries about and talks about is their sticks. Mm -hmm. And I know a guy. (laughs) <laughs> I know I say that a lot. Well, you do. But I know, like, in my mind, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, from Warrior Sports, Isaac Garcia. Isaac, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Jay. So, Isaac, I've known you for, I don't know, what, 15, 10, 12 years? Oh, yeah, we go back a ways, 15. <laughs> so you, you definitely know a guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, what's your what's your current role with Warrior I'm the business manager for our uh, stick category at Warrior. Okay. So I cover everything, goalie sticks, player sticks, all of our composite stuff, and then I dabble in lacrosse as well. Oh. And was Warrior was a lacrosse company at first, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Warrior started off when Dave Morrow uh, came up with the first titanium alloy handles, and then it's all grown from there. Okay. All right, so I, I want to talk about, first I just kind of want to get to know you a little bit better. I mean, obviously, I know you, but our audience doesn't know you. So tell us about um, where you're from, what your hockey background is, and how you got into being the guy that makes hockey sticks. Well, I started working here when I was in living in Spokane. Not from, from Spokane, but I, that's where I graduated high school, and I lived there for a little while. And um, when I started at, at uh, this company, it was an innovative hockey at the time, we were supplying a bunch of stuff to a bunch of different companies, and we were doing hockey shafts for um, a few, our local or our, our own house brand. And we started making sticks for Nike when uh, Nike bought Bauer. So this was back in 97, 96, around that time. So back then I was a shop guy. We are a small place just making sticks uh, for whoever would buy them. And eventually we got to the size where we needed to move and, and uh, you know, upsize and expand. So we moved the company to California, and that was around 1999. So I uh, said sayonara to Spokane and moved on down to Thousand Oaks, California. We set up shop there. And um, you know, we, we, we were in California for about three or four years making sticks for Nike, Bauer, Hespler, uh, a bunch of different places. And um, you know, this was, hockey was going through a big, or at least the stick market was going through a, 
big growth spurt, and um, composites were starting to become more popular and accepted in the league and uh, recreationally. So uh, it was a good time for us, and we quickly outgrew that as well um, and moved down to Mexico. So during that time, I kind of went from shop guy to, you know, more of a supervisor to more of a customer manager, dealing with customers and what they wanted to do, and then moved more into a development role. So having not been educated formally in composites or engineering, it was just something I picked up along the way from dealing with working with engineers and working with material scientists and um, learning and growing and uh, following along and then um, having played hockey, not professionally, but at least uh, having played a lot of hockey and knowing a lot of players, um, it was very easy to adapt what players were looking for and talking about <clears throat> and kind of connecting that to the technology that I was also learning about in composites. Yeah, that's, so, cr- um, that's crazy because that's such a scientific world. And I knew that you didn't have a big, you know, you didn't go to MIT and learn all this stuff. But, <laughs> but I also know that when it comes to these things, when people start talking, you know, when, we, when I was around you and I worked for a side company and then eventually for Innovative as well, um, uh-huh. any, anytime people are like, all right, we're going to design this new stick. They're like, well, we're going to, let's talk to Isaac because Isaac's the genius. <laughs> let's bring in Isaac and talk to him and figure out, you know, how we can make it better and if any of this stuff. Is. So it's, it's cool to hear that, you know, you worked your way up from shop guy to the guy that makes sticks. And it's, you know, it's good to hear that people can still do that. Yeah, yeah, it is, you know, obviously there's multiple ways to get where you want to go, and, you know, sometimes I wish I had taken a, uh academic approach, but I would never trade anything for, you know, the way I got here. I learned a lot about um, every aspect of our business, you know, and, and more specific to even just hockey, but composites and working with athletes, then uh, it's, it's a real, it's a fun spectrum, and so being able to apply myself to all those without, having this baggage of what I learned, um, you know, from a particular, uh, you know, school of thought, it's been, I think it's, it's given me a little bit more of a better rounded, uh, approach to what I'm doing. Nice. So, Hey, I got a question for you here and maybe Jay can answer some of this too, but, uh, you know, you, you specialize in, uh, in sticks and stuff like that. And, uh, for goalies, obviously there, there is a, a certain like size that you need, right? I mean, where, where the goalie holds his stick from, yep. Yeah, the paddle area, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is there just is there standard standard for each stick? Or I've talked to goalie coaches who have, who have written kind of a sizing guide that, that speaks to that in terms of the size that a goalie should use. But I mean, that's I would rank that in the player preference category. Uh-huh. There are certain rules of thumb, I would say, but you know the the way you stand the way you like to stand the way that you feel your you know best posture is i think has a lot to do with that yeah, much in the same way that a player's stick length is um you know it, it it's subjective so you could say that guys over 6 feet should probably use a taller stick and that you know guys that are 5 7 like me should probably use something shorter but even within that you're going to find a, a wide range depending on guys who like to play a higher live blade and play the puck close to their feet versus a guy who uh, likes a lot of reach and just wants to be able to, you know, and he's not in his feet a lot. So there's, even within each kind of rule of thumb, there's so so much room for versatility. And a lot of times that just seems, uh, what I've noticed as a goalie coach and as a guy that's, you know, sold a lot of goalie gear to, to or goalie sticks anyway, and it, and for me personally, I want my my hand as high as possible because guys are going to be sniping for that top shelf. Right. And so I use the 
the longest or the highest paddle length possible. And that's something that's kind of interesting to talk about too is that um, they measure them different. Different companies kind of measure their paddle lengths different. So you can get yeah, that is oh really yeah, that's a bit of a mess right now. I mean, we're within the last few years, we've we've gained more market share in the goalie uh, category, especially in sticks, and uh, and unfortunately, that's one uh, nut we've yet to to crack as a I think as an industry. Um, it's confusing the customers, and that's too bad because it doesn't need to be. Um, but there's no real way to measure. If you, I'm sure you have looked in the NHL rulebook, and that's not any more uh, enlightening. It's a very arbitrary <laughs> way of measuring it. There's no, there's, I mean, I'm, an, I'm not an engineer, but I'm definitely in the engineering business, and we, we like specifics and, you know, reference points and, you know, very accurate ways of measuring things, and there's nothing for goalie sticks. So people have just been, made, been forced to make it up on their own. So um, no one's really matches each other. And then you've got, like, we, we bought uh, a Montreal stick company that was in Finland, yeah. and um, that's, that's part of our business now. And they had their own way of measuring them. And, you know, the guys that in Canada were measuring a certain way, then you, we, we tried to go old school and kind of match up to what some of the old wood guys, like Kitchener and uh, those companies were doing. But it was, it's all over the map. So it's, uh, I feel your pain. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's crazy because you, in my stick rack right now, I have four sticks, which I feel blessed that I actually am up to four sticks at the, at the time. <laughs> Two of them are barely hanging on, but they all say 27 on the paddle length, and they are not the same length paddles. I have, I think I have two Warrior <laughs> really? and then a CCN. Yeah. So it's just like, the, it's all over the map. And, the, and, you know, goalie pads are the same way. It's just, oh yeah. you know, you have Warrior measures one way, CCM measures one way. And Brian's measures another way. And so you tell it, like, I got a text the other day, a guy's saying, hey, tell me what size pad I wear if I'm this tall. And I'm like, okay, in my world, if you're ankle to, you know, you're, you know, you measure ankle to knee and then you add the, you add a couple inches on for however long they want it up to their thigh. And then you add their skate length and then they come up with like, I'm in a 36 plus two. I'm six foot three. I wear 36 plus two. But that's not going to be the same if you're in a CCM. It's the same thing with sticks. It's just absolutely. Um, I mean, if, if it's a small enough industry where you think we could all just get together and, and come up with a new system, but uh, that hasn't happened yet. So maybe uh, put the call out right now. You know, <laughs> call the out. I'm forgetting the guy's name. When, so when I was with Innovative, uh, and I, I was doing some of the pro stuff with the trillage side, and mm-hmm. Innovative brought on Neil Broughton, and I'm trying to remember the other NHL player that was a genius, like he could look at a guy and say, that guy needs a, a you know, a three lot, you know what, who, mm-hmm. who am I trying to think of? I, was it Cliff Ronning? Yes, that's exactly who it was, Cliff Ronning. So here, Cliff Ronning, I, I think we were, this was long enough when the Atlanta Thrashers were there. Oh, yeah. And uh, wow. Innovative had uh, stolen Ilya Kovalchuk, one of the hottest up-and-coming players in the NHL mm-hmm. at the time. And he Long had, word. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had a he had a uh, he had a Bauer contract and started using an innovative stick and then switched right away, and that was kind of a big deal at the time. Anyway, I remember sitting with Cliff Ronning and Cliff saying, "Oh, like I don't remember if it was Kovalchuk, but he's like that guy needs this stick." And start talking to the guy. You find out well, the guy's been using the same stick not because of that's what he likes or any other reason except for the where he came from. These were the sticks he could get, so. Uh-huh. It wasn't custom to him. It mm. was. It was. This is what you get. Learn to use it, and learn to use it as a pro. Yeah, you do find that there are. Um, 
it's a it's gotten a lot better. I mean, ourselves, I think we we led the way with our our service uh, standards to professional teams and players. But um, our competitors do a very good job nowadays as well. Because um, what you're describing is a player who doesn't have access to the people to the knowledge base that's within his. As I say, at the time it was Bauer. There's people, there's really smart people with Bauer that probably could have helped him out. Yeah, absolutely. He had, talk, he had to talk to his guy, who had to talk to another guy, and, and then I, he had to explain it to someone else. I think so at by the, the time, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think at the time it was an issue with him being in Russia and him being, mm-hmm. you know, him coming up from maybe poverty or whatever. Well, you've dealt with with a lot of players too, and they they don't they're not necessarily able to articulate um, exactly what they're what they're looking for. So it's kind of our job. Me and I think you've met Jared, who I work with closely. Um, he's an expert at it, at extracting the information in in the in a language that we can agree on and, and use and understand. Uh, that's that's more than half the battle because you know guys describe you know certain fluttery or it's pulling left or it feels this way or I can't raise the puck. Um, but that doesn't really it's not specific enough for us to be able to diagnose the issue and say, you know, well this type of product is gonna, you know, tweak that performance for you a little bit in this way. Right. So that's where the that dialogue there's nothing that replaces that. There's no booklet or, you know, um how to that that's gonna replace that good old uh just conversation. Yeah, I remember having a lot of uh I remember being a part of a conversation with Mike Badano where he started you know, he had probably the top-selling blade on the market. This is the time of the two-piece when you'd go in and be like, I want McDonald's mm-hmm. blade. Oh, yeah. But his retail blade looked nothing like the blade that we were giving him in the NHL because he had decided he wanted to pull pucks off the board more and do a little bit more blue-collar work. So he completely squared the toe of his blade. It looked completely different. And, like, it's just it's one of those things where he knew what he wanted to do and kind of came up with a way to do it. And I think it was Cliff Ronning. I'd like to take credit and be like, oh, yeah, I was there and I totally listened to him. But <laughs> Cliff Ronning was a, like, I was so impressed with Cliff and Ron Kunisaki back in the day and some of the guys that were, that were working with Innovative that you've worked with, Isaac, that, and then with you as well. Like, you guys really can articulate or listen to a guy say a bunch of hockey words and then you're like, oh, but what you mean is, what we right. think you mean is, Read and then make him a, yeah. And it's not cheap to, yeah. try, it's not cheap to try something. Right, like if a guy's oh, yeah. like, oh, I want to customize this. What does it cost to uh, make a mold these days of a of a guy's stick? The mold runs around a you know, thousand bucks or so. Yeah, and yeah, we we're we have a huge uh, department dedicated to just making molds in our factory, so it's part of what we do. And it is expensive. You know, it is. It's uh, it's a shame that your average Joe um, doesn't have the luxury of being able to try these different um, mutations of flex and blade and shape and all these things to, to get at his best game. Um, and, you know, the, the pro athletes, that, that's one of the reasons they're able to, to tune it in so, uh, so accurately is because they can do that. Because you really need to, uh, to be able to see kind of both ends of the spectrum and, and hone in because you know, kind of like you described with having the, the particular length stick that you like to use, you have your reasons for liking it, but you've also had to make a choice about other things that you've been willing to possibly give up on or take a slight disadvantage so that you could have the other advantage that you're looking for. And that's really, you know, that, that's what the whole equipment selection process is about. So if Madonna wants a square toe, you know, he's going to give up. Well, maybe he's not going to toe drag. Well, we know that he's not a toe drag kind of guy. So right, that's right. an easy, easy sacrifice for him. Um, and, it, and that's the process that every guy has to kind of go through his own prioritization list. You know, is it more important for me to be able to stop pucks, you know, from getting past me while I'm at the blue line or, is it more important that my blade is light and stiff, you know? Right. 
so you, you've got you've got to kind of grade your own um, priorities against what what your game is about. See, and I never thought about that part of it too, like what you're talking about, because as a goaltender, you kind of you realize, all right, on this set of pads I'm wearing, I'm going to tweak this and that, and I'm going to get the next set, and I'm gonna, I'm basically going to be the, in the exact same set, and I can try. You know, if you're going with the right companies, you can try these little modifications or whatever and uh-huh. and make your equipment perfect. But for a player to try and modify or get that same pro experience with sticks, that's hundreds of dollars a time. Like, oh, I'm going to try this stick, this curve, this, you know, this combination yeah. of things on this stick. That that adds up really quick when you're dropping 200 bucks a stick. Very cost prohibitive. Yeah. Hope you have a lot of a lot of, a lot of friends at your height. You know, <laughs> <laughs> try them all out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I so I got my first ones, man. Yeah, and that's <laughs> honestly, you talk about like what you want in your stick. No, now I just I just want them cheap. Like I'm <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> yeah. But I and, just don't want it to break. And <laughs> with the it. East Coast experience, uh, a couple years ago, I'm not I'm not going to name the team, but I was with a team during the playoffs, and. Uh, a defenseman that was sitting next to me, the top defenseman on the team at the time, like leads the league in plus minus, right? Like this is the guy. He's plus 22. And so you're like, they're going to do whatever they can for this guy. And as first game of playoff starts, his new sticks come in and he's like, hey, this isn't, this isn't my flex or my curve. And the equipment manager literally says to the guy, hey, just be glad it's your hand. Like <laughs> we're budget crunched and we're going into the playoffs. We're not sure how far we're going to go. Like... Just welcome, welcome to the East Coast League. And I'm not saying that that's how it is for everybody, but that guy had a like. Imagine being a pro yeah. and you know exactly what you want and exactly what you need to fine tune your game, and then you go into playoffs and they're like, "No, here you go. Just here's one off the shelf. You're left-handed now." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's your whole game. I mean, you're uh, as a goalie, your equipment is is I would say equivalent to a player's stick because it's it's not your you know, it's not for your protection. It's their to allow you to do what you need to do, and that's what the player's stick is about. Because it's it's kind of reverse for a player where, you know, the, his shoulder pads and elbow pads have nothing to do with how he's going to play his game, right? Um, or you know, his effect on the game. Whereas the stick is, uh, it's super specific. And there's some guys that can play with anything, but it's still if you expect a guy to perform at his best, or you know, not be whizzing pucks over everyone's head, right? You got to get you get get it close, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, the whole the whole Whole thing's gonna suffer. Yeah, that's true. And I, yeah. and I will start to come apart if my shoulder strap. You know, <laughs> if, my, if my chest pad's not exactly right, and I can tell if like one of my straps and my elbow pad is off a little bit, <laughs> I start to have almost a panic attack. But I could care less what flex or curve I have on my goalie stick, as long as it keeps my blocker up high. And you know, yeah, it's there. It's there to stop flex. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're a totally different job. So run me back through a little bit of, so when you started with Innovative, were you there for like the aluminum shaft days? Mm-hmm. When we were, uh, so at that time, so Easton was still making aluminum handles uh, or you know, shafts in LA, in Van Nuys, they had a uh, aluminum factory. And um, they're, they're in that business, Louisville was making them. Um, and I think that was right when Easton started making the ultralights. Yeah. And uh, we actually, as part of our Nike deal, we we're doing aluminum sticks. Uh, we we're supplying them, or at least had built a supply chain to uh, make them for Nike. So it was still a thing. It was um, it was starting to decrease, but it wasn't on its way out yet. Yeah, you know, I think the last guy to use an aluminum shaft was probably Shanahan, Brendan Shanahan. Um, 
and we actually switched him into an innovative stick at the end of his career, and uh, that was the end of that. But he had guys using aluminum carbon, so there was aluminum shaft with a, like a couple wraps of carbon or Kevlar around the outside. That's what Sergey Fedorov was using back in the early 90s. Um, and there are different kind of uh, mutations of that that were still in play in the NHL. But once the ultralight and the bubble and then our stick and the Louisville sticks, once those really started to take hold, it was at a, it was pretty pretty wide ad- adoption of uh, composites. Yeah, so so you're there for the beginning of that. And obviously, and we talked a little bit before when we went on the air. I mean, that's obviously that, that sweeps the entire market. Now everybody uses carbon fiber or a composite. And then there's a point where uh, it's starting to get hard to find carbon fiber, right? That wasn't there. A, mm-hmm. I think it was one of well, the, the wind wheels were being made or whatever. Yeah, it was a period of time where you know, the composite industry in general was was growing very fast, especially in sport, sporting goods. So uh, between golf and tennis and other you know recreational sports, there's a, there's a category of carbon fiber that we use. It's it's very even though it's very stiff, we consider it to be pretty stretchy. It has about a two point, has two percent uh, elongation, which means it can stretch up to two percent of its size uh, before it breaks. And that's uh, that category is good for when you're making things that are uh, that require some degree of flex. But almost every sporting equipment uh, or a sporting goods um, object needs that. So it's probably for golf, great for hockey, it's great for racket sports, uh, even baseball. Because you need to have a little bit of give, but you don't want it to break, um, but it can't be too soft. So that's the kind of carbon fiber that we buy. And there's only so many people that make it, and there's that part of their business is only so big. Um, so the, the carbon that you would see in an airplane, for example, or a satellite is a totally different class of carbon. If you put it in a stick, it would explode. It would, it would be very strong, but uh, if you tried to shoot with it, you wouldn't be able to. Okay. Um, or if, if, puck, if a puck hit it, it would explode. So... The, the type of carbon that we use um, was in very short supply. Everything was booming very fast. Um, and then, like you mentioned, when uh, wind energy um, became a lot more popular, a lot of people were getting into that business because of all the government funding involved. Um, and internationally, it's just uh, a huge movement that was, that was uh, going in that direction. So it was taking up a lot of the supply of low-end uh, commercial-grade carbon fiber, which competes with what we do. And you know, just for, to put it in perspective, um, like especially, well, I don't know how much carbon it makes to make it takes to make a wind turbine, but um, like for an airplane, airplane, for example, a uh, Boeing seven eight seven uses about ninety thousand pounds of carbon uh, in a single plane, whereas wow, that would make. That would make about 150 to 200,000 hockey sticks. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's you know, and there and there'd be thousands of those planes. So, and that that's that's the sort of scale that we're dealing with, and you know, it messes with so the natural thing that happens, which is our price starts to go up. But um, you know, hockey being such as it is, there is a price that is you know, there is a price ceiling there that makes it difficult for a working class family to be able to afford uh, sticks for you know. Kids, or God forbid, multiple kids playing yeah. hockey throughout yeah. the year oh, yeah. and travel <laughs> costs. So, you know, there the things have changed over time. You know, these these are big companies that make these carbon fiber, and you know they they've built their supply chains to be a lot uh, a lot healthier, a lot bigger, a lot wider. And um, you know, there's there's a lot more supply now than there was before. But the thing with the expansion is that it's more of a staircase than a 
uh, slope. You know, they don't really uh, increase capacity uh, gradually over time. It just kind of spikes and then it flattens and spikes and flattens. Oh, okay. Um, we're we're always you know part of my job and part of the guys that I work with is to guarantee that there's carbon fiber for us to use because it is a serious thing. We run out of that. There's no replacement. Yeah, you're gonna have to start That's cutting it. down trees again, making wood sticks. <laughs> Man. All right, so tell me, what's the what's the new technology? What's what have you guys released this year? What's what's the big thing that's out? You know, changing flex points or new. So what's new? Well, so we have two lines of sticks that are really directed at two different types of players, or not really two different types of players, but two different player tastes. I would say. Um, you know, we have our, our alpha line, which is. It's a low kick stick, but it's um, it's got more of a um, a stable uh, stable stiffness down low, so that you can still take really hard shots with it, and it's not going to open up and spray. Um, or, but it's it's good for pretty much all around most types of players. And then our other stick is our uh, covert line of sticks, or the QRE is our newest stick, where it's got a, a really flexible taper. Um, it's got an amazing kick. It's very easy to load up, so you. You know, pretty much no wind-up required. You lean into it, and it just takes off. Um, if you're shooting from far away or if you've got a really heavy shot, it generally is, is going to feel too soft or just too whippy to really, um, you know, to, to, for, for that sort of sh- shot and feel. But um, for somebody who wants you know, basically zero wind-up or zero indication that they're going to shoot, and I'm sure you know what that looks like. And nowadays, when yeah. players are about to shoot, you almost can't even tell. Yeah. And they can they can get off so much steam um, with with very little uh, preparation, and that's you know that's what we make with the QRE. It's it's the best at doing that, uh, in my opinion. Um, but you know, in terms of overall with stick uh, performance, stick technology, um, they keep getting lighter. And that's something we're always focused on is um, you know, how light can we make these, and uh, the and increasing the toughness, and yet making sure that the player is getting the best stick that he can. It's going to last the longest. Um, it is our top priority. I think there's you know, w- one of the common misconceptions is that you know, we want the sticks to break, so they'll come back and buy new ones. But that's not generally true. I mean, we're in the business of selling sticks, but uh, if our customers aren't happy, then they're not going to buy any Warrior sticks. So we we're definitely uh, always engaged in trying to deliver the most uh, strong, you know, tough, uh, durable sticks at the lightest end of the spectrum. So what, what's a stick weighing these days? What's an NHL stick weigh nowadays? Uh, so most sticks are about 60 inches, and a 60-inch stick is about 400, 410 grams. That's so it's, uh, like a, yeah, it's a couple nickels? Wow. <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. And so you do all the research and development on the player stick, and you get all the new kick points and stuff like that, but you guys have 60% of the market – Ish, right? I saw. I just saw a thing. It's on Facebook, so it's got to be true, right? It's. <laughs> it was showing. It was showing current market share of sticks in the market, and it said like, it might have even been higher. It might have been like sixty six percent of NHL goalies are in, in Warrior sticks. Oh, and goalies, I would say that's probably probably true. It may be a little low. Okay. Because yeah. I mean, every every goalie I see is using Warrior, and any chance I get to use a Warrior, that's that's what I want. But and, and to be honest. Like I was a Montreal guy, so when I loved when you guys took over the Montreal sticks, I thought for some reason they've just always made the best. Uh, are you in trouble there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, sounds like you're getting pulled over, but uh, 
I always thought those were the best goalie sticks, but how much research and development goes into the new goalie sticks, and what, what are you looking for out of these goalie sticks? Well, it's a totally different, um, completely different uh, instrument, I would say. I mean, it, the only similarity is that, you know, you hold it in your hands and touch the puck with it when you're playing. Other than that, there's virtually no similarity between a player stick and a goalie stick. One is there to stop pucks. The other one is there to, you know, you've got two hands on it and you're using it to flex and shoot. And um, you know, The game has changed a little bit over the you know, recently over the last few years where players or goalies are playing the puck a lot more. Yeah. But in, gen- in general, um, carbon fiber is probably the worst material to use to block pucks with because it's, uh, it's brittle. Um, you know, it's, it's very light, but, but it is... Uh, it's not the most durable when it comes to just straight impact with a frozen rubber puck. So we've had to design as much impact, dissipation, and toughness and flexibility into the goalie stick so that it doesn't come apart the way that the carbon fiber wants to. You know, it's multiple layers of fibers that are running in different directions. That's sort of a layman's description of how they're made. So we've got to take this... Um, that it's, it's a shell stiffened structure. It's basically it's essentially hollow on the inside. Um, there is foam in there, but it's not a structural foam, and it just kind of sucks up the vibration and gives it a deader feel. But yeah, for I the s- most part, I saw an article you wrote about that. I didn't know if that's what that was. That you wrote that you something about a reverb killing stick or, or something in the yeah. goalie stick. Yeah, that was something else. And, and yeah, that's a, another point about carbon fibers. It vibrates like crazy. Yeah. So. Um, not ideal for a, for a goalie stick. Um, not that cl- goalies don't complain about vibration, but having played goal myself, um, it's, it is a part of the game. And when you switch from foam to composite, it's the first thing you notice. Um, it is lighter and it is, uh, you know, tends to be more durable, especially along the bottom edge, but it just vibrates like crazy. And you don't really notice it at first, but after a few games of switching from one to the other, you definitely notice it. So we, we spent a lot of time trying to attenuate the performance of the, the mix, you know, the fiber, the resin, and different components so that we can uh, remove the, <clears throat> we call them the quote-unquote unwanted frequencies or unwanted vibrations because you want some vibration. That's how you know it's there. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but you don't, you don't want like the high-frequency kind of tingy vibrations. You want like the, the thud is, is good. And you need this, and especially for a player, that sound is part of the feedback system, <clears throat> so that you know you got a good shot. Um, but you don't want it to feel like a foul ball, yeah. Right, right. So there's a difference there, and you know that that's part of the science of um, modal analysis and acoustics and vibration is trying to preserve the good vibes and trying to filter out the bad ones. Now, for a while, I had that stick, and I, I can't remember which version it was, but it was carbon fiber um, in the shaft, and then it was. It was a like foam composite paddle. Are you guys still making? Mm-hmm. Is that still a thing, or have we progressed past that? Um, so we're past that, but it still has the same basic building blocks. We've you know we changed the foam chemistry, we changed the you know, the layering system, the amount of resin, the type of resin, things like that. Um, we changed. The, I think the, the stick you're talking about was probably made in two parts at least, whereas now they're 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 molded differently. So uh, a big part of it is the materials itself, the materials themselves, but um, there's a lot of work that goes into the manufacturing method. So since we run our own factory here in Mexico, we have a lot more latitude and control over um, 
the molding process and the little manufacturing tricks of the trade that make our stick unique to us. Yeah. Well, that's cool. All right, that's so awesome. I'm excited about it. And that that stick that was that was one of my favorite sticks all time, and I tried to get as many of them as I could. <clears throat> because the one thing I hate about the foam cores that I use now is when you take a shot to the shaft and it breaks the... Um, Mm. Like the, the paint, laminate. yeah, yeah, the laminate yeah. comes off, and now you've got basically yeah. a, a, like a bandsaw in your hand. And when you go for a poke <laughs> check, it, I get slivers, or I get you know, I've literally had one cut into my glove, really, and give me, oh, yeah. and yeah. cut my palm when I go, like when you throw for a hard poke check or whatever. That thing, when it comes loose off the shaft of the stick, it's not good. It's and I, I cut them off, or now I tape them. Now I've learned to tape it down. I use sock tape, and it's an art to it, but. I loved those other sticks because I never had to worry about that, and I thought they I thought they lasted a long time. I had those first yeah. ones. We we first started making them, and I think Maltese made a, made some first, and then I was still with Innovative, and we were trying to make like a trollage slash mm-hmm. innovative goalie stick. And I remember I got some, and I went and skated with the Grizzlies, and I came off, and it had like five holes in the paddle, like literally, <laughs> like just you could see everywhere a puck had hit it; it almost gone through it, and it was. And it felt like hitting a foul ball every time. So oh, wow. the the progress has been amazing, and that's yeah, my that favorite. Certainly changed. It's crazy because I'm using a stick that I got with the Utah Grizzlies um, last season at, at the end of last season, and it's a Warrior composite. And it so not only did it last me, you know, two months worth of practices with the Utah Grizzlies, but it's also lasted me all a summer league, and now almost all of this year's men's league, including getting pulled back up to the Grizzlies. I've never in my life had a stick last that long, and usually when you're taking shots with, in the East Coast League, you go through yeah. a stick every week, and to have to have, yeah, it, it's you, mind-boggling, and I'm worried. Are you dogging it now or what? Well, yeah, I, I am 46. <laughs> I think- I, I try not to get Girl, hit. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't want it to break my stick. <laughs> right, you know? Yeah, you try to keep that, hold on to that stick as long as you can. <laughs> I don't want it to break my stick, and I don't want to get uh-huh. hit with a puck. Those kids shoot so hard. Oh my gosh. But it is funny <laughs> that you brought that up about um, that, that your new stick has that quick release. and I, You've seen all the guys are working on that release, and now they have a way. Uh-huh. Right before they shoot it, you have no idea they're going to shoot, and they change the angle real quick. They'll pull it in a little bit. And let that thing go. You're seeing in the NHL, you're seeing yeah. goalies. I, like I saw Lundqvist get beat, and I'm trying to remember who else got beat. Not in the butterfly yet on a shot, like a perfect five-hole shot, like 14 inches off the ice, where normally a guy had butterfly and it'd be no big deal. But the release off these new sticks yeah, I've, is so I've fast. I've seen those too. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there was a time where there was only you know five or six guys on a team that could really shoot, but now they can all shoot. Yeah, you got yeah, brawlers. And, you got guys like uh, right. Wilson that, you know, he's known for being a tough guy, but that guy still can shoot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a, you know, I think we've done a good job. And obviously that the players are much more in tune with their with their equipment. We we spent a lot of time um, educating them and what is going to work best for them. And, you know, they in turn are, are sharing a lot of information with each other. And there, there's more gearheads out there than there used to be. It used oh, yeah. to be kind of frowned upon that you know you're such a wuss that you're you know talking about how you know the flex of your stick or how much it weighed but you know it's kind of out of the shadows and everyone realizes hey, it's okay if i can you know actually have a, a, a discourse with uh, these experts and and actually improve my game with the tools 
So it's it's a lot more interactive, and guys are using the, the, the sticks keep getting softer and softer and softer. I don't know when it's going to bottom out, um, but the average flex for guys it, it continues to trend softer and softer, and they're just uh, realizing that they can get the stick to do a lot of the work for them. Um, and there's there's trade offs to that, but uh, right. it's de- definitely I think it helps many aspects of, of of scoring and just being able to get take advantage of this awesome. Yeah, high. It's very technical. It's an amazing material. It's carbon fiber. It's amazing what we can do with it. So you used to walk into a locker room and ask a guy, like when he wanted a stick and he wanted to try something, you'd be like, "All right, well, you shoot wrist shots a lot, or you shoot slap shots? Oh, you shoot a slap shot, then you need a one ten flex." But now mm-hmm. it's hard to find a one ten flex. You're right. It's it, and of course you're right. You know more than any of us. But <laughs> I'm just realizing that, like, I'm seeing guys. I'm seeing grown men on my team walk into the locker room. And with 65 and oh. 70 flexes now. Oh, I'm all over that. So what what would you say yeah. is the, the average flex that you guys are – what's the main selling flex now? Uh, probably an 80. An 80. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We, we make 70 – I think we do everything like 75, 77, 80, 82, 85. Wow. We, for, pro, for pro guys, we have very small increments that we, uh, that we can provide. So it's shifted from 90 – which would have been a few years ago to being closer to 80 now. And, uh, it's, uh, even among with blades, you know, the, the way that the blade stiffness is being tailored, um, the size of the blades, we see it in the curves. The curves definitely change over time too. You don't get anybody using a 110 heel curve anymore. There's no Mount Al McKinnis recipe <laughs> right. out there. And, and, um, there was a time where a guy thought he couldn't, if I am a big guy, I need a heel curve, I need a 110. You yep. know, and that's that that mentality is completely gone, and because it's all about the finesse. Like, uh, and a pro stiffness is different than your average Joe, right? Or are they all the same in terms of the way that we measure them, or well, just the player themselves? Well, yeah, the the player. I mean, is it uh, is there uh, a certain? Is it like are the pro sticks like um, how am I trying to say this um, stiffer than? Like the guy that's playing senior league, you know what I mean? Is it nope. two different? They're all the same. Yeah, they're the same. So okay. I mean, the way that we the way that we grade them and the, and measure the stiffnesses, they're the same. Oh, okay. um, and even the products themselves. So our top end stick that you can go into a store and buy it. If I had a hockey store, I'd plug it right now, but I don't. <laughs> um, they. But if you walked into any store or went online, that top end stick that you buy, it's the exact same stick that we sell to NHL players. The only difference is theirs is customized. So, you know, it's got their name on it. Maybe it's a different shape. Maybe they, you know, it's got their curve on it. So it might be taller or shorter or, you know, what have you. But it's the same recipe. It's the same material. It's made the same way. It's made in the same factory. Um, everything, you know, the, the guts of that thing is exactly the same. So then as you move down in price in a store, you know, that's where there's trade-offs and cheaper materials or a different process. But but typically um, your technology, like if, you know, all the technology you put into that top-end stick is going to be in that less expensive stick, it's just a different, it's a less expensive material, right? Yeah, to a certain extent. You know, certain things that we have, when it gets down to like a $80 beer league stick, um, it'll have a little bit of the uh, um, design uh, performance of our of our high end products, but you know, it's it's very different because of you know the 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 weight and feel of it and the balance. But um, 
there's many shared attributes, but it's, it's a big trade-off when you're down to, at the very bottom end. But everything from the middle up, you know, there's, there's a lot of shared technology, a lot of shared performance, for sure. So what would you tell a guy right now that's listening to this podcast that's trying to figure out what his next stick's going to be? How, he's got an idea. Right, let's talk to Gary. Gary's got an idea of what stick he uses now, but how can he best find his next stick? Are, are there websites now? or you Because know, I know with goalies, there's goalie gear sluts, and you go, get on there, and everybody will tell you every, every piece of equipment. They'll break it down for you and help you figure out like what angle you want your glove. But what's the best way for a guy to figure out his next stick? Well, that's a tough one. I haven't had to pick a hockey stick for a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think you know, we do a, an okay job of it. I, I think our competitors do a good job of it, too. Uh, you know, they've got, in terms of sizing, um, which I think is one of the biggest mysteries, especially for um, you know, recreational players that, are, that don't play, you know, or, or aren't playing every day in an, in an association, um, in terms of sizing and what size and what flex should I buy, those things are pretty helpful. Um, there's a lot of bigger stores that'll, if you're in a bigger, uh, hockey market, you can find a store that has a shooting, uh, uh, corral so they can try the different sticks. There's really no replacement for that. Right. Um, it helps to have some idea of what you're looking for. What I mean by that is if there's a certain, if there are certain things that you don't want in that, or that you're getting now with your current product and you don't like it. So it could be the way that it handles. It could be the way that it's balanced. Maybe it's just a simple thing like you don't like the shape of it um, or you don't like what color the blade is. I mean, so some of those things may sound trivial, but they're, they're important. Uh, we hear this from NHL players all the time. Like, I love this stick, but can you get rid of the yellow? You know, it, it throws me off. So there, yeah. it could come from many, diff- many, many different areas. But to try to identify the things that you're either unhappy with or that you want to improve, um, that's a good start. So if it's your stick handling that you really suck at, but you feel like your shot's pretty good, maybe try something that's um, you know some some different iterations of curves so that you can have you know um, maybe a more of a mid curve, something that's kind of closed, so you can toe drag a little bit and get more control. Or if it's vice versa and you just want to be able to, to you know shoot higher and you can't get the puck off the ground, you know try tweaking the flex, go softer and softer, you know open the blade up a little bit, and um, you know, that for, for the most part, the guys who are playing closer to the net still want to be able to elevate the puck um, and aren't winding up when they shoot. Uh, a low-kick stick is going to be the best, uh, or an ultra-low kick like our Covert QRE is going to be the best. Um, but even with the other brands, they've got some sticks that are kind of in that same category. And then vice versa, for guys that are tend to stay back, they're not around the net a lot, you want to be able to take a good shot, maybe keep it low, you know, that's the opposite to so either a low kick or a mid kick stick um in terms of price it's, you know what or you know how good of a stick do i need to buy like do i need to buy a you know 280 dollars stick in order to be a great player you know that's that's different for everybody i'd say in general no um that's really player preference if you can afford it there's nothing that compares to a high-end stick right but is that what the qre is going for retail now is 280 I think ours is two seventy, wow. but I think some of our competitors are as high as two eighty. Um, but if you can get a really good stick for two hundred or two twenty, yeah. and and be perfectly happy and still still get most of the benefits of all of the R and D and technology that we put into it, 
but that stick is going to last a little bit longer, and it's going to be almost as good as that first one. So I think that it's 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 a very good option for guys who are, you know, in that area. Well, that's that's awesome, man. That's uh, I've learned a lot here today. By the way, <laughs> we still ended up talking mostly about goalie, so you didn't uh, that much change at all. <laughs> right. I kind of just fall into what I know. I guess I'm a little selfish when I get on here. I want to talk about goalie sticks, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's uh it's it's cool to see. Like I love the changes that have been made and and I know like you know, I have some real gearheads on my team and you know, and I I play with Ben Wilner and I um you, you don't know who Ben is, but Ben's a local guy who's just a gear freak and he's always telling me when the new warriors out and then he mm-hmm. orders a bunch of them and you know, he he'll tell me the technology and I'm like it's so weird to have somebody else have to tell me the technology that's coming out of where I worked forever. But man, <laughs> Even when I was a rep, we had two gearheads here, Ben and then a kid named Oliver, that they would know more about the product than I did before, like when I was going out to get the product. You know, when I was, when it was first coming out, it'd be like, and I guess maybe it's because, you know, they were better at using the internet or whatever back then. And, but it's just, it was crazy that some gearheads just live and breathe this stuff. And the, a person like you that's able to be creative every year you're making a hockey stick, and somehow you're still able to. I mean, the hockey stick's been around for hundreds of years, and yeah, then a yeah. guy, a guy like you, comes along and and changes stuff and keeps adding to it, and making it better. And at some point, it's unfair to goalies, but you know your technology is awesome, and I, I just it's cool, and I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, kind of explaining it to us. And absolutely, and my ex- pleasure explaining yeah. it to all the hockey players in Utah. This actually. We get more than Utah because of we do put these on goalie gear slots and we put these in a few different places. So we've noticed we get a we get a national flair on this yes. show, even though it's it's basically for the Utah hockey players. But anyway, Isaac Garcia from Warrior. Uh, once again, thanks for your time. You're an amazing person. You look uh, you're my favorite Lenny Kravitz impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> anytime you go, any, anytime when I go to an NHL trade show, you always you walk in and there's Isaac and he's just <laughs> he's a good looking guy. My go-to Halloween setup, that's for sure. <laughs> now, you've done, you did prints, right? Didn't you do prints, too? Yep, did it's it? my uh, second, second most common. Uh, <laughs> I just got to keep my wife away from me. Those are her two, like, those are her two favorite people in the world. I don't want... <laughs> anyway, Isaac, man, you're, you've always been fun to talk to, and it's always fun to pick your brain. Uh, if you want to hear more stuff like this, and you want to keep the conversation going, and you want to keep the podcast the podcast alive, then text the word "puck" to five seven five hundred. That's going to get you subscribed. It's completely free, Gary. Absolutely free, and uh, you want to do that because it's it's fantastic. Yeah, because we want to keep doing the podcast, so yeah. do that. And then also check out kslsports.com. We've got everything NHL, uh, everything's on that that kslsports.com. High school stuff. We've got high school stuff to talk about tomorrow. They've got, you know, they talk about football and stuff like that. But what's important is that we're going to start talking about, you know, high school hockey tomorrow. That's right. That's right. All right. That's it for us. Uh, the Utah Puck Report. We're out. <laughs>